Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Second Samuel chapter 12. I have, I have this tendency, Brother Gallion, we've talked about this. Uh, Brother Gallion's one of my, probably one of my favorite storytellers when he speaks. I don't say that for flattery, he just is. He's a great storyteller, and I, I, we've talked about this before, but I have a tendency to just live with these people in the Scripture. You know, I, 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 I told the ministers one time, in fact, I said, uh, I was preaching about the Syrophoenician woman, and I said, that's how I see her because we had coffee together this morning. It's like I, I get just almost entrenched with who they are. Because lest we make them human, we do not feel the need to live up to what they represent. And I don't want to make them a character. I hear them called characters. And I understand the terminology there and even the academic terminology. But they're more than a fictional character. The truths of text teach us that they are real, real people. So let's see, before we read this, this scripture of chapter 12 and verse 1 of 2 Samuel, see if you can complete this statement with me. David was a man. Catch that, the majority of it. Some of you picked it up late, but then you owned it. <laughs> David was a man after God's own heart. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. He sent a prophet. He sent his man, his minister, unto David, who was the king. And he came unto him and said unto him. He's, he's launching into a story. He's teaching a parable. Some of you know a lot about it. Some of it, you, this is very new, and so we'll, we'll, we'll flesh it out a little bit. But watch how he starts the story. There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. And I'll play with the grammar there just, just a little bit. It won't affect it. There were two men in one city, the rich one and the poor one. Okay? And I am simply because of the exhausting nature of the story and the text and, and the way they weave backwards and forwards, that's the only verse I'm going to read to you today. And I'm going to draw my title from that, from that very verse right there. There were two men in one city. Everyone repeat after me. There were two men in one city. Two men, one city. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your, for your word. We thank you for the reading of your word. I pray that you would help us. Touch our heart, our minds to receive from the word of the Lord. God, I feel so prompted to try to deliver this text. I don't think I have it in me to deliver it the way that I feel it. So I'm asking for a supernatural touch of the Holy Ghost to be able to articulate what I feel and what is necessary and what you have for us in this hour. I'm asking it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. You may be seated today. And I'm allowing you to be seated because I'm about to ask you a, a question that I want you to be braced for. <laughs> if there's a seatbelt, grab it. Don't raise your hand. Maybe just smile, even if it's awkward. <laughs> Have you ever been caught in a lie? Some of you just looking forward. Have you ever been caught in a lie? Sister Mast, how could he be a man after God's own heart and do what he has done? Now, for those of you that do not know, the Cliff Notes version of this the simple onboarding to this, and we're about to flesh it out, 
is that David has sinned by messing around with somebody else's wife. <laughs> that's the 2021, well, that's the very clean 2021 way of saying it. He's messed around with someone else's wife, and the Lord has seen it. Because the Lord always sees it. <laughs> so let's take a look at David. I must tell you, I am enthralled with David. But can I tell you that the fact he is a man after God's own heart. Now we're only a, a not far, a few weeks from, from Father's Day. And so I'm not necessarily speaking to man in the sense of gender here as much as I am man in the sense of mankind. He was human. Have you ever used those words as your get out of jail free card? I'm only. I feel a witness in the room. I'm only human. He was a man after God's own heart. But if you'll allow me to stop early in the scripture, he was a man. The rest of it makes him sound so good. But there were parts of him, thoughts, intents of the heart. So much so that it would need recorded, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. It would be Jesus who would later in the gospel of Matthew say, you have heard that it's wrong to take another woman's unto you and commit adultery you take another man's wife he said that's wrong but I want to tell you that it's wrong even to look at her wrong <laughs> and a bunch of people he had decades generations centuries that wanted to say calm down Jesus It's always been allowed. But Jesus, infinite in his wisdom and the word manifest in the flesh, was able to say, I know where thoughts lead. Amen. So, I love David, but he was a man. And David's past, can I be honest? David's past was weird. And I'm going to take you, I want to take you farther. We know David's immediate past seems tough. Imagine that you're the one supposed to be anointed as king and your own father doesn't invite you to the house. You got all these kids and David's the only one out playing with the sheep. Right? It was not even culturally or custom acceptable for David to have been the one keeping sheep. But we get a little taste of how his father sees him. We've got Abinadab, Eliab. We've got the bronze brothers standing there in front of Samuel when he shows up to anoint them. And he has to look at them under the unction of the Spirit and say, Are these all your sons? Where's that little guy? I hear you. Where's that little guy at? Where, where, where is he? And they call for David. How many remember the story? And David comes running in the house, screen door slams, and, and, and the Lord looks at him and says, and speaks to Samuel, said, this is the one. Brother Barkas, he said, don't look at his outward countenance. Haven't we all been guilty before of judging somebody by the way they look? We have. Lord said, don't do that. But I want to take you farther past that. Let's, let's go all the way back. Let's go all the way back to, uh, let's go to Genesis 38. Yeah, yeah, that's a good spot. Genesis 38, and you look at that corrupt, and, and we've talked about it, but consider the corrupt. You go 10 generations backward, and you find Judah and Tamar. That's a weird story. If you never read that story, it would make it on any sitcom today. She's married, the guys keep dying, she goes to her father-in-law, Judah won't, the only time we typically preach about Judah in the Pentecostal church is when we try to talk about worship. 
He's bigger than that. And, and here she is, Tamar. She doesn't get another son. We're adults in here, I'm going to tell you, she dresses up like a prostitute. Good God. He goes in unto her. Weird story. They come to, they come to, do, to Judah. He didn't even give her payment. He's going to send her a send her payment. She, he gave some articles to her. Here, we'll send a payment. They come to Judah, her father-in-law, and say, your daughter-in-law's pregnant. He's ready to kill her because he had law to do it. He's going to kill her. What happens? She says, will you just take these articles and tell them that this is the dad? Boy, had a change of mind. Change of, hold on, time out. I'm more wicked than she is. I don't have the problem. You, got, you ever think that it's somebody else that has the problem until you know the full truth? Don't look at your spouse. Just nod. Just nod. Just nod. I'm saving you right now. Helping you eat lunch in peace. And we know that, that in her womb is, in fact, twins. It's so crazy. I, I, I love to preach about it. The one tries to be born first, midwife. It's, it's going to happen. Then Ferris breaks through. They named him Ferez because he was born first. It's like he fought to get into a world that would be ready to ostracize him. But he had a kingdom mission. Ruth chapter 4, starting at verse 18. Ferez, he's one of the only guys that gets a chronological order about him. Hope I'm not boring you. I'm trying to teach you a little history real quick. Ferez, Hezron, Ram, Abinadab, Nathan, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David. For over 10 generations, he had guys in the family messing up with women. <laughs> I get, forgive me if you need to, but I've been doing this for over two decades now, and you would be astounded at how many times I've had to hear this. Yeah, but it's in my family. It's not a family problem. It's a you problem. It's a you, it's a you problem. You didn't blame the family tree when you became king. Nobody gets into a lofty position. David doesn't get into it and say, well, it's because my father's Jesse. That's not it. He had built a relationship with God. David was the pasture player. He was. He was a guy alone in the field. What is it? Psalm 42? Psalm 42, fact check me. I think that's it. As the heart panteth after the water, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He is the man that is alone with the Lord. And when nobody is watching, he is delighting in the presence of God. But he made it to the kingdom. Say what you want. It ain't bad being king. <laughs> he, he settles in okay. I don't know if I'm comfortable. You can have anything you want. I'll make myself comfortable. Any food he wanted to eat. What's your, on the count of three, yell out your favorite thing to feast on. One, two, three. Say anything, anything. Bless your heart. Imagine that. Imagine that David wanted lamb chops today. Sister Robeson, it wasn't no big deal, no big deal. I take lamb chops today. Here they come. I don't think David ever said, I'm feeling a salad, ever. Best of the kingdom, best of the food. The problem is there is a social custom in the day of which he was king that also if you wanted a woman, you just take her. We're pretty close to that custom today. Just take what you want. He's got a, he's got a unique situation first. 
First, we should probably look at the timing here of 2 Samuel. Look at, look at chapter 11. Look back with me just, 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 just a little bit. Verse 1 of 2 Samuel, chapter 11. One chapter back, first verse of it. It came to pass after the year was expired. At the time, everybody say the time. The time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and from the my 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 and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah but David tarried still at Jerusalem and it came to pass in an evening tide it was their custom please catch this it was their custom to sleep through the heat of the day still still very normal custom there and normal custom for some of y'all. <laughs> I love nap people. Had somebody ask me one time, they were like, did you take a nap? I was like, it was a random day of the week. Like, did you get a nap today? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not at that place. Okay. <laughs> It came to pass at evening time that David arose from off of his bed. He, he, he wasn't being silly. He was in custom. I need you to catch this. He was in culture and he was in custom. He was doing what everybody did. Doing what everybody does will get you in trouble. He was doing what was normal. So he took a nap through the, through the middle of the day and he got up. He walked on the roof of the king's house. It's a good, good roof to be walking on. And from the woman, he saw a chica. He saw a beautiful woman washing herself, and the woman was beautiful to look upon. And I tell you something, I'm not trying to be too humorous, but a little bit to keep you with me. She wasn't ugly. She wasn't ugly. And there's more scripture. I'm not going to flesh it out too thoroughly today, but I will tell you there's more scripture to make it seem like she knew what she was doing. <laughs> Takes two to tango. But the problem is, David should not have been there. And that's some... We can, we can wrestle with this a little bit. We can wrestle with the loopholes of this just a little bit. Because you can read that when, when David is trying to continue a fight with the additional giants that they have come to David and they've said, you got to stop fighting. You got to stop getting on the battlefield. You will die. Never. Never, 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 did you, I said never, never let somebody else tell you when you're done. Unless it's the Lord, don't let anybody else tell you it's okay to stop fighting. It's culturally acceptable for you to cease warfare. Some of you are, are, are studious, you want to find out what I'm talking about, where I'm going. Go read it, 2 Samuel 21. Get in the chronological order. I see some people looking in their Bibles trying to find it. Don't, don't go out into battle because you might die. And if you might die, then our kingship is gone. So you stay home. I don't think they wanted him to stay home. I just don't think they wanted him in the front line. But once you stop engaging in the battle, it's easier to retract from the battle altogether. Miss one day of your Bible reading. How many of you ever broke a fast and you thought, I'm just going to eat lunch and then I'm going to get back on? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm done. 
I'm, I confess before you right now. I've made that. I thought, well, I'm just going to eat just a little bit for this. Just, I had just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. No little bit to it. And then by the time dinner runs around, I have already convinced myself, well, I did good. What I did was good. <laughs> Sit down at the table and I, I lamb chops for dinner. <laughs> But once you begin to remove, how many know that once you just miss one day devotion, one time of prayer, one moment of engaging in the battle, it is amazing how comfortable the bed is. Some of you have to travel periodically for work. I, I had to travel the other night. I was in a, a Friday night. I was preaching a meeting in Atlanta. And I'm, they put me in a wonderful hotel. It was a beautiful place. And I had a, had a great bed. But there's no bed like your bed. Right? Now let me give you the choice. Your bed or the battlefield. Yeah, right. Like, is this a real, is this a real choice? Stay in your bed. Hey, how about this? And take a noonday nap. <laughs> bed, please. How many would be honest? You could get down with that kind of life. You, you're just like, it's coming on noon. Between noon and three, you should probably lay down. <laughs> Wouldn't you love that at your cubicle? If you could just put a little sign that said, I'm in timeout, right? A little afternoon siesta. I'm going to take me a few days. Your boss comes up to you. What are you doing? It's so hot. It's so hot. We got air conditioning. <laughs> he lays down. He gets up justified in his actions. Now I'm going to tell you this. I am under the firm belief that Bathsheba already had a reputation of being a beauty. She was a beaut. He's, he's got knowledge of, of who she is. It's Uriah's wife. I, Got a little understanding about her, who, who she is. Guys, I don't care if you've been married for 40 years. If she's pretty, you know she's pretty. See, see how quiet that was? No, Pastor, I don't know. You know, ladies, he knows. Is this too honest? And ladies, I'm going to turn the tide on you. You've been married to him for 30, 40 years or three or four months. Some guy walks in who is a handsome gentleman. You know. I have found the problem is not when you can acknowledge. The problem is when you keep it a secret. I've never counseled any, any couples that could be honest with each other and then live biblically. But I have, I have counseled a lot of couples who kept it a secret until everybody else was fighting. And they took advantage of a little flirtatious situation. You call it what you want. This was a unique situation. He got up. Can I even tell you this? It was not the fact that he saw her. Because it does not read like he went to see her. But it was a problem that he looked again. I hope you're not uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm just, this is the Bible. So you, he, he looked again. Can I tell you we live in a world right now that is consistently trying to snare not just men but women also to see things you were never meant to see? It is the Bible. David himself would pin in the Psalms that there is a snare laid. Think he knew something about that? Sometimes it's money. It is. Sometimes it's prestige and power. But sometimes it's just a person. It wasn't that he saw her. 
That was a great dump. <laughs> he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man. Now, if he would have finished the rest of the scripture there, he would have said, ooh, ooh. You know the best, I'm going to help somebody right now. It would have saved him an entire life of heartache if he would have went immediately and confessed to somebody what he accidentally saw. But instead, nobody's around. He was browsing. It turned into something in his heart. And if we are arrogant enough to believe that our eyes are not connected to our heart, we deceive ourselves. Men and women, what you look at determines the direction you will go. What becomes your focus is telling God the direction of your intent. Not only now is he not at battle, but he has sent everybody with Joab. Joab is a ruthless, diabolical, killing machine. How many of you know you can't trust just anybody? If you have to go out of town, some of you got dogs or cats and... Raise your hand if you've ever had to have someone pet sit for you when you were gone. Somebody, you had to trust them to come in your house. Say a little comment now, like the videos are on, They'll, they're going to... You got to really trust somebody to come stay in your house. David has let Joab, everybody yell Joab. Not Joab. Of all people. I don't think I'm going to fight. Joab, you got it. Not only am I going to let you go, take, take, take my servants. Take all Israel, take all the war, take all the fighters, take everybody. What are you going to do? I'm sleeping. And he entrusts, listen, he knows Joab will get the job done. Even if it means at the expense of slaughtering individuals who should not die. At this point in the story, he's already done it twice. Joab, Joab, in his own wrath, has already killed people twice. He's about to do it again, and it won't be much longer down the story where even David's son Absalom will be hanging in a tree, and he'll take three darts from the crooked fingers of a wicked guy named Joab. Joab walks to a young man when Absalom is about to die. You remember this at the turning of the kingship? When Absalom is about to die, he's there, he's in the woods, he's in the place. And, and Joab asks the young man, why didn't you kill him? And he said, because the king says, says that we shouldn't kill him. We, for, for, for my sake, he said, deal, deal gently with the young man Absalom. And, and all of a sudden, here we got, we got Joab standing there saying, I stopped listening to the king a long time ago. I found out that as long as I'll do his dirty work, I can get away with whatever I want. He sleeps, I fight, it's a deal. Puts three darts in his heart. Joab is a bad dude. Can I tell you this? When you lose control of fighting for God, you will allow people in your life that ultimately destroy your own calling. You will. You will allow allegiances, alliances in your life, people that will do things that you know you're not supposed to do. 
So Joab's carrying the workout. David's on the rooftop. He sees the beauty Bathsheba and he, 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 he texts her. Well, he sent a letter, sent a messenger to come. And here we are. Again, we're in the Orient. We're in the place. We're, we're, we're in time and in culture. It was not considered obscene for a king to call a maiden. Shows up. No doorbell. Um, king David would like for you to come to the palace. I don't know. I don't know, Brother McFarland. I don't know the whole setup. I don't know if she set him up. I don't know. There's a lot of supposition around it. All I know is this. He called her. She shows up. She ends up at the house. Things move really quickly. A man after God's own heart falls that Fast. But let me tell you this. It wasn't as fast as it looks. It was not as quickly as it reads. It was a slow chipping away. It was a day at a time, a prayer at a time, a duty at a time, an engagement at a time, a thought at a time, a watch at a time. It was... There was a song uh, several years ago that came out very public on Christian radio. Uh, it said, it's a slow fade. Remember that? It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. Nobody backslides the first day they think about it. Nobody stops living for God in the individual moment when they have just begun to think. It is a slow process. Many times it starts with hurt. Can I tell you, many times it happens when someone you thought was fighting for you, it felt like they were fighting against you. I don't know why, I don't know how. I just know David was a man and he messed up. He calls for Bathsheba. She comes into the house. We understand that things transpired too quickly. And then she sends word to him. We don't even have a, a, a large, long chapter to flesh it out. We have these like incredibly quickly moving sentences. And all of a sudden, she sends word. Picture the eyes of David when she sends word to him. I am with child. I can tell you from firsthand experience, those are four words that will wake you up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be humorous because in a crowd this size, we have men and women with pasts that have been engaged in all kinds of things and all kinds of situations. Let me pause right here and tell you, you can get Past any failure. You can get past any shortcoming. But not without acknowledgement. Since, since the word, I'm with child. So what does he do? Rings the front line, right? Gets on the walkie-talkie. <laughs> um, you're going to want to bring Uriah home. Because he's going to cover it up. Be honest with me, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't it our first response? Our, uh, the first response of mankind is, let's cover this up. And I want to tell you as pastor, I understand that. I don't want you to put all your stuff on Facebook. Okay? I just want to let everybody know. No! No, 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 no. Don't, don't. You know what we all need before Facebook? We need a phone a friend program. Somebody who they won't put it on Facebook. I have a friend. No, stop. Stop. Brings Uriah home. What happens? 
He, we know the story. Come on, we're adults. It's the adult class. He wants Uriah to be convinced it's his kid. I'll bring him home from battle. He'll go be with his wife because he's a man. You better say amen or I'm going to get started on that. I'm help me help you. But Uriah does not go into his wife. People have thought, why doesn't he do it? Read back just a little ways. Read back just a little ways. When David was engaged in the battle, you read it just a handful of chapters earlier. David was able to look at them and say, we're in war. We haven't been with the women. Because David had set a precedent. When we're fighting, we don't get distracted. So he has established something that he... When you convince yourself that compromise is okay, you will, you will unintelligibly begin to think that others have just accepted that with you. That's why there's a bunch of precious elders in this room right now that some people have come along and said certain values that we've always had are no longer necessary and we squared our shoulders and said, hold on. Hold on. You told us in the heat of the battle, oh, let me get a witness in the room. You told us in the heat of the battle that this was a life or death issue. Just because current media says it's not. And just because some mega work somewhere else has tried to convince us that it's not. And just come some, some arrogant emergent tried to tell us it's not. It is. And so he's kind of questioning. We got three little, three different little things that happened between uh, David and Uriah, this beckoning. He goes so far, he goes so far as to get him drunk the next day. Man after God's own heart. Have a drink. Tries to get him so toasted. And he still won't. I will tell you it is a concerning thing when a drunk Uriah is better than a sober David. And I'd like to just preach the fire out of that right there right now, but I just don't have... Be good. Still won't go in. And so what's David do? Uh, somebody bring me a pen. Dear Joab, you ruthless warrior you. <laughs> Send Uriah to the front of the line. XOXO. <laughs> Your boy, David. Joab doesn't need this story. He can interpret it. I think Bathsheba had a reputation. I think everybody knew she was beautiful. I think Joab's heard enough whispers. Some commentators really believe that Joab himself, uh, or, or rather that, that um, her husband Uriah himself had heard or, or got some kind of inclination that something was wrong. What's he do? Let's send him to the front of the wall. The only thing I've never heard, and I'm telling you, forgive me, I, I've lived in this, I've lived in this text uh, the only option I've never heard considered, I've never heard it preached, I've never heard it presented, I've never read it. But it seems like there was a, another option that he did not exhaust. Brother Hunter, they were winning. Go study it. The Ammonites had no, they had no food. They had no, they were, they were done. Their only ability at this time, the only thing the Ammonites had at this time is that they were behind that, that they, were, they were at uh, Rabbah, they were, they were there, they were uh, at that walled city and they were utilizing but they were defeated. They, I mean it was over. So it seems that David, seems like David could have said let everyone stop fighting. Bring everybody home. That will make Uriah go. Uriah said I can't go into my wife because I got soldiers out here and you've taught us better than that. David could have said Joab, bring everyone back. 
but somewhere in his heart. The battle on the field was more important than the battle in his mind. The prestige of being a victorious king was more important than being kingdom-minded. Hmm, man, I feel... I, I, mm. It would have still been wrong. It would have still been wrong. And I'm glad the cover-up didn't happen because if the cover-up would have... Say that would have worked. If that would have worked, Brother Marshall, if, if that could have worked somehow, if that could have worked, we would not get one of the most beautiful moments in all of text. He sends Uriah to the front of the battle. What happens? He gets killed. He dies. He sends him to die while he's playing house with his wife. That's twisted. Judah Tamar, bad. David Bathsheba, bad. Don't care how you slice it. Bad. Does God end up using it somehow? Because only God knows how to turn something like that into something he can use. Uriah's dead. The story unfolds. And that we finally, somebody say, thank God. Thank God we've got back to our opening verse. I told you. Nathan walks in. We need to talk. What is it, Nathan? Tell you a story. There's two men. One city. One of them is rich. Let's do this. Let's do this together. Grab your Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Are you okay? 2 Samuel chapter 12. I didn't give you time to respond on purpose. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse, verse 1. Let's read it. I, we don't usually do this. Let's do this together, okay? Verse, verse, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. Isn't this a good story? Nathan, you're doing such a good job. Verse 4. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was, come, that was come to him. Verse five, sorry. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. <laughs> Watch this, read it with me. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely. Ooh. I'm having too much fun. Let's keep going. Verse six. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse seven. Verse seven will get you to heaven. Watch. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Woo! No, you didn't. Right here in front of God and everybody. David said, I'll kill him. Nathan said, it's you. There are few things that the average man wants less than to be called out. <laughs> Thou art the man. Said this wayfarer, this, this traveling man, this, this man that's come along, he's, he's looked for it. And instead of the rich guy who had, he had more than enough for himself. Husbands, one is enough. 
All right. Take that however you want it. Trying to help you. Took from the poor man. What did David say? Ah, kill him. Isn't it easy, easy, easy to get mad at other people for doing the same stuff? It's so easy to justify when it's us. I kill him. And Nathan said, thou art the man. I got a newsflash for everybody in the building. No, this story wasn't you, but you're the man. That's one of the biggest phrases of the last 20 years. Oh, you're the man. You are, you are the man. Well, I got bad news. When it comes to sin, you're the man. You're the woe man. Because just in case any of the ladies are like, that's right, I was hoping he'd get on this. I thought Father's Day would take it. I didn't think we'd get this until Father's Day, but you go, Pastor. Ladies, I'm talking to you too. Bathsheba, <laughs> she was a problem too. But may we go on. Nathan said, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I guess you have forgot the spears at your head. It is hard to think about spears that used to fly at your head when you are sleeping while other people are fighting. I gave thee thy master's house. Woo. You got new keys. Watch this. I gave thee thy master's wives. You had enough, boy. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. KJV says, and if that had been too little. Modern day we would say, and as if that wasn't enough, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. You could have had whatever you wanted. You could have had whatever you wanted. Wherefore, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah. I didn't kill Uriah. It wasn't me. You killed him. It wasn't my arrow. It wasn't my sword. It, it wasn't me. I wasn't even there. I was back here at the house. No, 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 no. You didn't get any of that retraction from David. You don't, you don't get that argument from David. You might not have pulled the trigger, but you set him up to die. You might not have released the arrow, but you released the pin. You're the one. You're the one that did it. Verse 10. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you, this is a tough day. Nathan has just came in and read his mail. Most of the time, David, up until this, David has been sending mail out. Now mail came to his house. Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes. I will give them unto thy neighbor. Hmm. He, shall, he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. My God, he's saying it's coming back. What you've measured is coming back. Verse 12. For thou did it secretly. But the Lord said, I'm going to do this thing before all of Israel. Before the sun, not in the darkness of night, but in the sun. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this to you. And David said, verse 13, it is one of the greatest pinned moments of all the text. David said unto Nathan, God sent him a prophet. And instead of saying, no, Nathan, it wasn't me. Nathan, Uriah had it coming. Nathan, they told me not to fight anymore. You know what David did? He owned it. He owned it. Can I tell you as a leader, one of my favorite things is when somebody just owns it. 
Somebody drops the ball on somebody, something, somebody messes up. Somebody, I love when people just say, that was my fault. I like, oh, I can't get mad. I, like, I can't be upset. Some people in here are like, note to self. <laughs> David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Tonight, we're going to flesh out what that, what that really looked like, Psalms 51. Tonight, I'm going to try to just preach. This morning, I've tried to teach. Well, watch this. I have sinned against the Lord. There is a domino effect coming because of that sin. But there is a revival coming because of that confession. Listen, sin will have consequences. People think I sinned, but I repented, and God, I still... There's still consequences. As if getting to go to heaven is not enough. We forget about that, don't we? He didn't even take it away. He did. He's going to let you go to heaven. But she still thinks you're nuts. Your, your confession is not going to make Uriah come back from the grave. Your, your acknowledgement is not going to keep you from laying on the floor because the baby's about to die. There's consequences to this. It's not, it's not going to keep you from... One of David's most trusted advisors is Ahithophel. Right? Remember this? It's one of his most trusted advisors that he would lean on. And Ahithophel himself... Ahithophel himself was the grandfather. I'm, I'm telling you. The grandfather of Bathsheba. You study it. Find it out. Look at it. For years, when Absalom tries a revolt, what does he do? When there's a, when there's a revolt years down the, down the road, what's going to happen? Ahithophel's never realigning with David. He's never, never going to forget. We can forgive, but it is hard to forget. I don't know... You, you ought to thank God that he forgets. That he wipes and he washes away. He cleanses and he, and he puts it as far as the east is from the west. Because for people, let's be honest, that is tough for us to do. Please stand with me. If you'll stand, I will know I need to. Because I'm, I'm scratching the surface of this thing. David. David says, I've sinned against God. And tonight we're going to watch one of the most beautifully penned portraits in the psalm of Psalm 51. If you want to read it ahead of time, just for fun, go ahead. You'll be, you'll be ready to go. David begins to pop. Psalm this out and, and he begins to put his, put his face down before God and he, he begins to lament and he begins to cry and openly ask God some things. I need to tell someone in the house, he cannot cleanse you if you will not acknowledge it as sin. Man, I've worked a long time to get to that point. I'm sorry. But I told you the whole story so you know. Not just you have context. Everybody's got a reason. Everybody's got excuses. Everybody's got a life and a lineage and, and a reality as to why maybe it could or would or should even be acceptable. Why they've done what they've done. But at the end of it, it's just because you're mankind. It's just because we're human. And so I'm not asking, did you fail? Nathan said, David, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you were wrong. There were two men in one city. Watch this. Two men in one city. He does not say three, even though he himself is about to introduce a third into the context of the story. He calls him a traveler. There is a traveling version of all of us. Please catch this. Brother Gallia, let me use you. you. You can handle this. There is a good part of you. But there is a flesh part of you. 
when you're ready to make the choice, you know I should probably pull from one of my own flock. Let's call him a traveler that's come along. But really what he is, he's the flesh side of you. Men and women around this room, for some of you it is texting with people that you should not. For some of you it is calling individuals you should not. For some of you it is taking jobs that you would not. But the traveler, that part of you that shows up and says, I'm needing something a little bit more. And I, I recognize that it probably should come from my time of prayer and it probably should come from my fasting. But instead I give in and I, I allow the weaker vessel to be consumed. I, I allow the flesh to take. And Nathan said, it's been a sin before God. I want to tell everybody in this room right now. And I, I know I'm preaching as, I know I'm, I'm preaching in a little bit of a unique fashion this morning. If you are entertaining anything or anyone I'm asking you to look down the road a little bit maybe you did not mean to see her on the roof maybe you did not mean to like it when he flirted with you at work I'm pastoring right now maybe maybe you did not mean it to enjoy questioning doctrine in that way maybe 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 but I've got to tell you, you should have looked away a while ago. You should. Well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't believe that. I don't believe that we don't know what to do. You know what to do. You know what to do. David, you know what to do. You know what to do. Run in the house. Ask for help. Tell somebody what you saw. Engage somebody else. Get, get, because how many know? That old adage we learned when we were kids. The devil will always take you farther than you want it to go. It'll always cost you more than you wanted to spend. I've preached it for years and I tell you the truth. I wish I had not sat across the desk from so many that I, I have lost count, Sister D. I, I've lost count. Of how many have looked at me and said, I never thought I would get this far away from God. But it's one step at a time. But in one verse, Nathan said, it's all gone. You're losing it. It's all gone. In one verse, David said, I've sinned against God. And it's like in a... It's like in the second part of the same breath, Nathan says, well, then God's not going to kill you. <laughs> oh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for love that reaches beyond my limitations, oh God. Thank you that even when we fail, you are faithful. Thank you that even when we give in, you never give up. <laughs> There's men and women across this room right now, God, that we have been like David. We have been like Bathsheba. We have made wrong choices in the wrong time. We have done the wrong things. And we're not here today to cover it up. We're just saying we're a sinner and you're the only one who can take sin away. You're the only one. Would you lift your hands with me all over this room right now? For some of you, it was not moral failure, but it was pride. Or it's been arrogance. Would you ask God right now, would you search my heart? Please ask God right now, search my heart, search my mind. Search my spirit, God. Search my spirit, God. I need you to help me, Lord. I need, I need, I need. I wish you'd lift your voices all over this house. Really, 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 really. Really cry out to God. He all of us.
Really search the Lord, right? Let Him search you. I need you, God. They're going to come. They're going to sing right now. But as they're singing, I want us to lift our hands and say, God, I, 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 don't, I don't want to get further down this road. Man, I am reaching for somebody today. I am reaching for somebody today. I don't want to get further down this road. I'm talking to somebody in this room right now who the enemy of your spirit has lied to you and told you there is no way back. I'm not saying there might not be some consequences, but I am telling you most assuredly, there is a way back. There is a way back to joy and there is a way back to peace. There is a way, there is a restoration way. 